Hey, let me, uh, let me thank all of you in advance. And by the way, welcome to the, those of you over in the venue. Thank you, uh, uh, Pastor Brandon, for leading worship over there. And um, if you're watching online, you know, we're, we're grateful you're with us. Let me just say quickly uh, how thankful I am for your generosity. Um, that's one of the, the great things about this church is how generous it is. Jesus said, where your shekels are, that's where your heart's going to be. And I, I know that this is a church that has a heart for the, for, for the Lord because of how generous you are. And so I thank in advance for just your regular giving to the church and your giving to the building campaign. And I'm going to talk more about that here in a week or so. And, and then your, your giving to our tuition assistance um, fund. Thank you very, very much. I want you to uh, imagine that uh, you meet somebody and they tell you how much they love the, the Giants. I mean, they are San Francisco Giants fans. They got on a San Francisco Giants hat. They got on a San Francisco Giants shirt. They got, uh, you know, bumper stickers on their cars that talk about how much they love the Giants. And any chance they get, they love to tell you about how much they love the Giants. You go to their Facebook page, they post things about how much they love the Giants. They're sending out uh, on their Twitter feed all kinds of stuff about how much they love the Giants. Kind of got, got, got that person in your mind? This room's full of them. I know it, <laughs> okay? Uh, people who love the Giants. I love the Giants. Love the Giants. Oh, I love the Giants. Now, imagine now you actually get to sit down and have coffee with that person that's always telling you how much they love the Giants. In fact, while you're having coffee with them, they got the Giants hat on, they got the Giants shirt on. There they are, and you say to that person, hey, look, I know you love the Giants. Tell me, who's their first baseman? And they said, uh, well, I don't know. Well, who plays second base for them? Uh, I don't know. How about third base? Oh, man, no clue. Who plays shortstop? Man, I don't, I don't know. Well, who's their catcher? I mean, they, they, he's one of the finest catchers ever. Man, you know what? I really don't know. Who plays outfield? Just give me any of the outfielders' names. Don't know any of them. How about their pitchers? They got any, you know? Man, you know what? I don't know any of those uh, facts, but I'll tell you this. I love the Giants. <laughs> I just love the Giants. If you met someone like that, I think it would be um, appropriate to walk away from that conversation thinking to yourself, you know what? I don't care what they say. They don't really love the Giants. I mean, if you don't know any of the players, you, you can't name one player. You don't know anything about how many championships they won. You don't know anything about the Giants then really, do, do you love the, the Giants? I think it would be reasonable for you to walk away and say to yourself, you know what, I don't care what they say. They don't really love the Giants. How can you really love the Giants? We're all the paraphernalia and all the stuff, and you don't know anything about the Giants. Well, to me, there, there seems to be a lot of people running around saying that they love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And they're wearing witness wear that says something about Jesus. 
They got stickers on their car that say, honk, if you love the Lord, you know. Um, they post things about how much they love Jesus. They love to tell you how much they love Jesus. But if you were to sit down with them and talk with them about Jesus or the Bible or, or God, they, they really have no idea who he really is. They can't have an intelligent conversation with you really about anything in the Bible. They don't know anything about the Old Testament or very little about it. They can't tell you about the New Testament. They, they can't really articulate any of the great doctrines that are found in the scriptures. And when you run across a person like that, I think it's reasonable to, to say to yourself, you know what, they talk a lot about Jesus, they talk a lot about God, they say they love God and Jesus and all of that, but really, they don't know anything about God. I wonder, do they really love God? Do they really love Jesus? You see, a true disciple of Jesus is gonna know something about Jesus or the Bible or God, right? I mean, I understand if you gave your life to Christ you know, yesterday or last week or maybe even last month, you may not know who plays first and second and third and short and all of those things, if you will. You may not understand much about the Bible. I understand that. But if you've truly given your life to Christ and you understand you know, uh, sin and you understand the implications of sin and you understand that you couldn't do anything to fix the problem of sin, you understand that God loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die on a cross for your sins, that your sins might, might be forgiven if you would put your trust in him, that he walked out of the grave, when you really understand that and you truly love the Lord and you love God because you understand the implications of sin and all of that, it kind of makes sense that you'll learn who plays first, who plays second, who the third baseman is, who the catcher is, who the outfielders are, it just, it just kind of makes some sense that you would learn about this God who created you while you were in your mama's womb and then sent his son to, to save you. So last week, Pastor Gordon kicked off a, a new series here called God Is, which is all about discovering what God is really like not what Hollywood portrays him as or what different traditions portray him as or what uh, some denominations say about him or what you think he is or what you feel he is. We're looking at what the scriptures say about him. This is a time, this is a series, and usually most churches, most preachers will do a series like this every other year or something. This is where we, we really learn some, some foundational things from the scripture about God, who he is. In other words, we're learning who the first baseman is, who the second baseman is, who the shortstop is, the third baseman, those kinds of things. And it's really important for all of us to go, okay, I'm gonna put on my thinking cap, I'm gonna make sure I'm paying attention because I need to know some things about this God that I love, this God who loved me and saved me. 
Listen to what Paul prays in Ephesians chapter one. He's praying for the believers in Ephesus and he says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I, I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight. Why? Why do we need spiritual wisdom and insight? So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. That you might grow in who God is. Who God isn't. This was an important prayer for Paul as he prayed for these believers in Ephesus and certainly that prayer is true for us today. In fact, one of the things that all of us who name the name of Christ ought to pray is that prayer for our own lives. God, help me. I need your wisdom. I need your insight to, to learn more about you, God. I mean, if you really are a Giants fan, you're gonna know all there is to know about the Giants. If you truly do know Christ as your Savior, you wanna know more about him. You see, an atheist will tell you that there's no God for you to know. An agnostic, on the other hand, he'll tell you that if there is a God, there's no way you can really know him. But the Bible teaches something radically different. The Bible teaches that not only is there a God, but he longs for you to know him, which is just bizarre. The, this, the, the words written between these two leather-bound covers, God's word to us, is God is knowable and he wants you to know him. He wants you to know who plays first, second, third, short. He, he wants you to know those things. Peter said, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an important thing to God that we learn more and more and more uh, about him. Now, now, why is this so important? Why is knowing God, you know, important? Well, it's important because you can't really trust God if you, if you don't know him. You can't really follow God if you don't know him, right? It's hard to love God if you don't know him. It's hard to tell others about God if you don't know him. Ephesians chapter five says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. It's hard to imitate God. It's hard to fulfill that biblical command if you don't know him. How can you imitate someone you don't know? So getting to know God, getting to know who he is is an important thing. And the good news is, is that God left us his word so that we could get to know who he really is. In fact, we printed something up, and I know it's hard for you to see this. Um, we're even gonna put it on the jumbotrons for you, the attributes of God. And it's a really, really beautiful, uh, really it's a piece of art in my opinion. And um, this one here happens to be in a, a, in a frame. And we're gonna give this one to a pastor friend of mine here in town. This will, he, he will love to have this. And we've actually, we're making a large one. It'll be framed and it's gonna go right outside the, the um, fireside room so that people can walk by and it's, 
It's a place where you can go and learn some truth, just like we have the history of the world up. And what we've done is we've, we've printed um, these up for you if you'd like to purchase one out at the information center. They're a dollar. Now, last night we, oh ye of little faith, we sold out of most of them and we were printing more and our printer broke down, so we only have a few. We'll have more of them next week. And this is the kind of thing that you might want to frame like this and put it in your home. You ought to have something like this in your office where your children can walk by and see some of these things. Your grandchildren, when they're over, could walk by and see this. You, in the mornings, as you're getting ready for work, could walk by and just look at some of the great attributes of God and have a piece of art like this up in your home that will be a, a blessing to, to you. But we're gonna run out today and we'll have, we'll have more next week. Last week, um, Pastor Gordon shared with us that God is good and God is great, and there's no doubt about those two truths. I heard uh, him preach all three of those messages, Saturday night, both of them on Sunday morning, and man, what a fantastic message, that God is good, and God is great, and you clearly see those two truths in throughout the scriptures. Today I'm gonna talk about the fact that God is all-knowing. Hebrews chapter four says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. Boy, isn't that weighty. Psalms 147, we looked at this earlier says, our God is great and very powerful. There is no limit to what he knows. In other words, God knows everything. He's all-knowing. The big $10 theological word is omniscient. God is omniscient. There's no question that he can't answer. There's no problem that confuses him. There's nothing that surprises him. He's never caught off guard by something. He's never shocked. God knows absolutely everything there is to know about everything. He's all-knowing. God is omniscient. Now, with this said, there's really one main point that I want to drive home about this truth or this attribute of God the fact that he's all-knowing, and, and this, is, this is it, okay? This is the, the main point of this message. God knows everything there is to know about you. God knows everything there is to know about you. Psalms 139 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Beloved, because God is all-knowing, he knows everything there is to know about you. 
Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about that. How does that make you feel? He knows everything. Everything that there is to know about you, he knows about. Now, for most of us, or at least it was for me this past week as I thought about this truth, it was a little uncomfortable. You see, we might know that truth, and until you get here on a weekend and together as a church family, we focus on something that all of a sudden, even those of you that have walked with God for a long time are now reminded of this truth. God is omniscient. He knows everything, which means he knows everything about you. And at least for me this past week, not only as I was studying in my office, but even as I was driving around kind of thinking about this, I was, I was uncomfortable. There's a, a few things that I, I'd just rather God not know about me. Now, what exactly does this mean, that God knows everything there is to know about you? What exactly does God know about you? Well, I'm going to give you six things, just real quickly. This isn't a comprehensive list, but these are six things, maybe six sub-points. And the first one is this. God knows all your thoughts. Mm. He knows the good thoughts, and there's no doubt that you know, we all have good thoughts. I have a lot of good thoughts, and there's a lot of thoughts I go, man, God, I'm glad you're knowing this. And then I have a lot of bad thoughts. And then I got a lot of ugly thoughts. And he knows them all. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus forgives the sins of a paralyzed man, and the religious leaders just go crazy. And it says this in verse 1, And getting into a boat, he crossed over, and he came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, in Matthew chapter 12, it says, then a demon-oppressed man was blind and mute, was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. All the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. And then verse 25 says, knowing their thoughts. Luke chapter six, uh, on another Sabbath, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. Verse eight says, but he knew their thoughts. First Chronicles chapter 28, and you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and every thought. 
Beloved, because God is omniscient, because he knows everything, he knows your thoughts. He knows everything that has ever ran through your mind. <laughs> Once again, how does that make you feel? Here's the amazing thing. Even though God knows all your thoughts, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he still cares deeply about you. Thought a lot about that this week. I wish I could stand up here and tell you as your pastor, you know what, I this, this never, never, there's never a crummy thing that runs through my mind. Always glorious things. I'm always in prayer mode. <laughs> travel about life. <laughs> no, no, I have some pretty crummy things that run through my brain. If I'm in a line somewhere for anything, any line, anywhere, I immediately have crummy things run through my, my brain. It's unbelievable. And then to think that God still cares about me anyway. He still loves me anyway. So what should your response be to this truth, the truth that God knows, everything that runs through your mind? Well, let me give you a thought. You gotta fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable. Philippians chapter four says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, Paul says, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. And it, it, it takes some work because down here on planet Earth, we gotta rustle around with our flesh and no good dwells in it. So we have to fix our thoughts. We gotta use a little bit of energy. We gotta use some juice. We gotta fix our thoughts on what is true and, and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of, of praise. And that takes some work, doesn't it? Take some work to say, you know what, Lord, help me today. I wanna do my best, I wanna work hard to make sure that I don't allow my mind to just go to crummy places and think crummy things about people. Number two, God knows all about your sin. He knows all about your failures, your faults. He knows all about your disobedience. Psalm 69 says, oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. And beloved, I want you to know this is the bad news, that God knows all about your sin, which is why we as human beings don't like to think about the fact that God is all-knowing. As I said a minute ago, it's a little uncomfortable knowing that God knows everything about us. All of us have stuff in our lives that we frankly don't want God to know about. In fact, they're so crummy, we don't even want our spouses to know about them, right? We don't want our children to know about them. We don't want our parents to know about them. We just as soon not have anybody know about some of these little things in our lives. And we work hard to keep them from our spouses and from our children and from our you know, parents or whoever they might be.
Proverbs chapter five says the Lord sees everything you do. Why? Because he's all knowing. And he watches where you go. Amen. Christian, just let that sink in for a moment. He sees everything you do. He knows everywhere you go. He's all knowing. You see, Christian, you always have an audience. God's always watching you. You're always on stage. There's no secret closet that you can hide in. Everything you think, everything you see, everything you say, everything you do, God sees it all. He knows it all. Now let me give you one of Satan's best lines. Ready, here it is. And all of us have probably heard it. Well, all of us have heard it. Here it is. No one will ever know. When you're cheating on your taxes, nobody will ever know. Except for God, because he sees everything. He's all-knowing. When you're watching that pornography, nobody will ever know. Except for God. Because he's omniscient. When you're flirting with somebody that's not your spouse, nobody will ever know, except for God, because he knows everything. When you're stealing something from work, pack a pencil or something that doesn't belong to you, it's a multi-billion dollar company, so they're not gonna miss it, right? Nobody will ever know. God will know, because he's all-knowing. There isn't anything you can do that he doesn't know about it. Now here's an important fact that you need to understand, and that's this. God isn't shocked by your sin. What? What did he do? You gotta be kidding me, what's up with that? Boy, I take my mind off of him for 20 seconds to focus on the Middle East, you know, and man, does he go sideways, you know. <laughs> Beloved, because God knows everything, God already knew you were gonna do it before you ever did it. So it doesn't shock him. Does it disappoint him? Yes. I'm a, I'm a dad, and how many are dads out there? Raise your hand, come on, raise your hand. Um, are you disappointed when your children sin? Absolutely. Do you stop loving them? No. And let me tell you something, Dad. You should never be shocked because your kids sin. I mean, why would they be any different than you? <laughs> be disappointed. We should be. And we need to do all that we can to help our children obey and all those things. But it shouldn't shock us that our kids sin. What? My kid did what? That just can't be. Besides Jesus, he's the only one who doesn't have a sinful nature. What was he thinking? Look, beloved, you need to understand something. When you sin, God's not shocked. He's not shocked by it. So what should your response be to this fact, the fact that God isn't shocked by your sin? Here, here's what you need to do. Here's the response. You just 
need to live an honest life before him. Just honesty. Be honest with God about your sin. Why? Because he knows about it already. You're not hiding it from him. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from your kids. You can hide it from anybody you want, but you can't hide it from God, so you might as well just be honest with him. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, if we say that we have no sin, we're only deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we go to God and confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, God's saying, be honest about your sin. Just come to me and confess your sin to me. And when you're honest about your sin before me, I'll forgive you of your sin. I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'll restore the fellowship. It's like our children, right? Dads, our kids blow it and they, they, they're sinful and, and, and you know, we're disappointed and there's tension between our kids and us because of the sin in their life. And then they come and they go, Dad, I'm just really sorry I disobeyed you. Would you forgive me? You know what, dad doesn't go, oh man, yeah, I'll forgive you. And in a nanosecond, the relationship between a, a boy or a girl and his dad is just done. And the same thing happens with God. When we sin, the fellowship gets all goofed up. You confess, and just like that, the fellowship is been restored. Number three, God knows all about your, your troubles. He knows all about your frustrations and your hurt. Psalms 31 says, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love for you have seen my troubles. Obviously he sees them, he knows everything. And you care about the anguish of my soul. There's no hurt or pain or trouble that you go through that God doesn't know about. He's all-knowing. He sees it all. He knows when you're in a crisis. He knows it. Psalm 56, there's this beautiful imagery that's given he says, you, that's God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And this is just beautiful poetry, imagery. Obviously, God isn't collecting all of our tears in a bottle. But here is this, this thought from God to us that, you know what, I know about your tears to the degree I'm collecting them. It's almost like he, he writes a posted note and puts it on every tear. He knows about what's happening in your life and he cares about it deeply. He knows when somebody you love dies, he knows. He knows that you lost your job he knows about the pain that your divorce caused. He knows about your teenager that got off track. He knows about the crummy things that your parents are doing. He knows about your inability to 
get pregnant? He knows because he's all knowing. He's omniscient. He, he, there, there's nothing that happens in your life he doesn't know about. The Bible says not only does he know about it, but he cares about it. Listen to what Psalms 103 says. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For God knows how weak we are. Remember, he's the one who created us in our mother's womb. He remembers we are only dust. God knows about us. God knows about what sin has done to us. He gets it. He sees your hurt and your heart that nobody else can see, and he, and, he, and he cares about it. You're one of his children. So what should your response be to this fact, the fact that God cares about your hurts? You should just give your troubles over to God. Give them to him. Talk to him about them. Peter said this, give all your worries and cares to God. Why would I do that? Because he cares about you. This all-knowing God, this omnipotent God cares about you. So just go with, to him with all the stuff happening in your life. Just like you go to God with your sin and you're honest with God about your sin, you confess your sin to him, take all those hurts and those troubles and those pain, just take them to him. Give them over to him. The psalmist said this in Psalm 142, when I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. You see, when you go to God with all your, your turmoil, your troubles, the pain, he's the one who can then navigate your life. He knows where you should go. Now, some of you are thinking, you're thinking, why, why in the world does God even allow troubles into our lives? I mean, because he's God, can't he just make sure nothing crummy or bad happens to us? And the answer is, Yes, he can. In fact, next week, Lord willing, I'm gonna talk about the fact that God is all powerful. God can do anything he wants, and if he wanted to, he could make sure that none of us had any troubles. He could do that. But one of the things that the Bible teaches us is that God tends to allow the natural uh, uh, consequences of life to kind of play themselves out. Uh, a biblical thought might be that you, you, you reap what you sow. I'll give you an example, and I think I've shared this with you before. There is a cabinet in our home. It's my favorite cabinet. And it, the cabinet's about this high, and then there's another one. But the top one in there is all the good stuff. That's not good for you, but it's all the good stuff. The Twinkies are in there, the Ho-Hos are in there, the chips are in there, the Pop-Tarts are in there, uh, the Pringles are in there. Uh, the guy invented Pringles, man. That guy's just a genius to me. And, you know, they're all stacked up, and they're all nice, and they just break off. And, and, and there's just all this stuff is in there. And if my family was here, I'll go to that cabinet and open it up and just stare in it. And I, I'm not kidding. This is no joke. I'm, I'm a sick man. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just look at all the stuff. And I don't know what to go for, and I'll shut it. And I'll walk away, and then about like three minutes later, no joke, I'll go back, open it up again, and just I'll look at the thing. And I, I might do that 
six or seven times. I, I get it. I understand if you want to leave the church over. I, I am, I'm sick. And I'll just look at it. I don't know what to go for. Do I go with the Twinkie? Do I go with the Susie Q? Do I go with the Ho-Ho? Do I go with the thing of Pringles? Do I go with the barbecue chips? I mean, there's so many options in this cabinet. It's unbelievable. Well, one day I open the thing up. I go for something and a bag falls. So I reach down to get the bag. Okay. Now, I opened the cabinet. I did it. I opened that cabinet and I grabbed the, the, the thing and I go up. Yeah, boom! We all want a God who shuts the cabinet door, right? I mean, he's all powerful. Couldn't he just shut the door? Yeah, he could have, but hey, I was the idiot that opened it and bent down. And from the time I went from here to here, I forgot. It's, a, it's just a nanosecond I forgot. But don't we want a God like that? Who, why did he allow your head to get, I mean, he's God and you're one of his children and he has the power to shut the door. He does have the power to shut the door. And every so often God does step into humanity and shut the door, if you will. We call those miracles. Now he doesn't do them very often. That's why they're called miracles. But most of the time, he just kind of lets the natural consequences of life, the decisions we make, kind of play themselves out. You leave the cabinet open, you bump your head. If you choose, uh, if a guy chooses to go down to the bar and get inebriated, get drunk, he'll let that guy get into a car, drive down the road, where potentially, and sometimes it happens, he runs into a, a car with innocent people in it, and they die. It's crazy. Could God have stopped that drunk from getting in the car and driving down the road? Yeah, he could have. But he lets us live. And we reap what we sow. And so sometimes crummy things happen to good people. Uh, number four, God knows all about your future. Psalms 139, once again, says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This all-knowing God, this omnipotent God, knows about your future. Knows all about it. God's not limited by time, which means he sees all your tomorrows now, today, he sees them. But not only does God see all your tomorrows, but he's got a, all your tomorrows planned out, which is why it's important for you to spend time with the Lord, seeking his will. He, he already has tomorrow planned out for you. He's already there. Now, that's hard for us to grasp. We wear these things called watches and this thing spins and we're, we're limited to, to time as we know it. He's not. He's already there. The prophet Jeremiah said this, and I want you to understand that this was not written to you as an individual. This was written to the Jewish people. This was written to the nation of Israel. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, Israel. 
nation of Israel. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and to give you a hope. One of the things you have to learn about the Bible is you gotta read it in its context. And that was written to the Jewish people. It was written to a nation, it wasn't written to an individual. Now there are some implications for us as, as, as individuals, but I want you to look at that word no. God knows the future. He knew exactly what was gonna happen with the Jewish people in the future. So when a crisis hits your life tomorrow or next week or next year or whenever it is, it may surprise you and it will surprise you, but it doesn't surprise God because he's all knowing. He knows what's gonna happen in the future and by the way, you can look at a New Testament passage like Ephesians chapter two, which says, for God, uh, uh, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God's all knowing and he's good and he has a plan for your life. So you can look at Jeremiah 29, 11 and say, you know, there is some sort of implication for us here in the 21st century as an individual. That you know what, God does know the future, he is a good God, and he has some things planned for us as individuals. And because he's already in the future, it kind of brings us to what our response should be, and that is this, we need to ask for his advice. Because he knows the future, spend time with him. God, what do you want me to do today? with my life. What do you got planned for me today, God? I wanna be prepared. You get into the word of God in the morning over coffee or your tea or whatever because you don't know what the day is gonna hold. But he does. And you wanna make sure that you filled your mind and heart with the, the things of, of God. You know, a great saint of our church, Gordon Agrella, uh, you know, on uh, Wednesday, Got up, kissed his wife goodbye, I'm gonna go run a few errands, and his wife passes away. Shocking! That just shocked everybody, it shocked me. It didn't shock God. He already knew it was gonna happen. And so how important was it for Gordon in the morning to say, God, I don't know what today holds, I don't know. But you do. And so, Lord, I'm filling my mind with you and your word. I want to walk it with you because whatever happens today, I just want to make sure that I'm prepared because you are, you're already there. You already know what's going to take place. And so we need to spend time asking for God's advice. N -n Number five, God knows all about your needs. He's all-knowing, so he, he knows about your needs. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. 
Why do you have so little faith? So, so don't worry about these things saying, what am I gonna eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Live according to the word of God and he'll give you everything that you need. He'll give you everything you need. You seek his will above your own. You make the choice to live righteously. You live according to the scriptures. And because God's all-knowing, you know what? He'll, he'll meet all your needs. One of the things that I have found, and I got the feeling I'll get an amen here in a moment, so get ready, <laughs> is not only have I found that God will meet all of my needs, but he'll also give me a lot of my wants. Unbelievable what God has given me, things I don't need. They're wants I have. And God is so good, he gives them to me. Dads, I want you to think about your own children. They need a roof over their head, you supplied it. They needed clothes on their backs, you supplied it. They did some food on the table, you supplied it. Those are their needs. How many of you in here bought your uh, kids when they were younger, maybe your grandkids, a bicycle? Raise your hand. Come on, come on, come on. Kids don't need bicycles, do they? But it's something they wanted. And you, as an earthly father, gave your kids something they wanted. They didn't need it. They wanted it. And an earthly father blessed them with something they didn't need. I, uh, I, I got, uh, my home has become Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. <laughs> I told my family a long time ago, man, I'm the man of the home. One dog. That's all we're going to have is one dog. We don't even need one, but... I'm gonna bless you and give you something you want. One. I got two dogs now. We'll never have a cat, you understand that? No cats, they're evil. They're, uh, I think the serpent was actually a cat, no cats. We, we got a cat. I won't have a lizard in my home, no reptilii in my home. My son's got lizards in his bedroom. I won't have any fish. They, they just swim around and the smell and the humidity and the, oh, the algae. I got tanks everywhere in my home. <laughs> my kids don't need any of it. But my kids wanted it. And I'm just an earthly dad. The thing about our Heavenly Father is he says, I'll take care of your needs. But as we all know, he gives us way more than just what we need. He'll give us a lot of our wants, too. So what should our response be to this? Quit worrying and, 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 start, and start praying. That's what we need to do. Just quit worrying and start praying. Start, start living a godly life. 
And watch how the Lord will just take care of all of your, 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 your needs. And here's, here's one I wanted to end with because this is a great one. This is the one I just really enjoyed, especially after getting by all the thoughts, you know, he knows and the sin and all that. It was good for me to get here. And that's this, God knows all about your faithfulness. He's all knowing. Jesus said, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything, he sees it, will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly in the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything, He's all-knowing, he'll reward you. Listen to me. Every time you make the choice not to sin, God sees it. He sees it. Every time that you, you dig in and say, I am not gonna give in to that sin, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to resist some temptation, God sees it. Every time you choose not to gossip, God sees it. Every time you make the choice not to grumble and complain about something, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to be positive instead of negative, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to stand for something, some biblical conviction, God sees it. Nobody else may see it. Nobody else in your office may see you stand for that biblical conviction. Nobody else on the golf course other than those three guys in your foursome may see you stand on a biblical conviction. And everybody may mock you in the office. Everybody might mock you out on the tennis court or wherever it is you're at. But let me tell you something, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to help the poor, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to treat someone the way you'd want to be treated, God sees it. Every time you share Jesus Christ with somebody, God sees it. Every time you bring your offering and put it in that little green bag, God sees it. Every time you stuff the program here at church or set up chairs or walk the parking lot or sing in the choir or hold a baby in the nursery or mentor a teenager, God sees it. No matter how small or insignificant it may seem to you, God sees it. He sees your faithfulness, every kind act, every kind deed, every kind thought, everything. He sees it because he's omniscient. He knows everything. Now, it's nice as a human being to get an attaboy. It's nice to have someone say, nice job, and, and you know, we, we ought to give honor to whom honor is due, but here's the deal. Oftentimes in life, in the Christian life, you will serve him, you will stand for him, you will do things for him, and nobody sees it. You can come here and serve the Lord, and a pastor may not see it, but God sees it. Uh, today, uh, 
I was in the nursery. I saw Andy come into the nursery and a baby came in just crying. And I'm watching this whole thing go down. Hands it to the, 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 the children's worker. Her name is Erica. You know, I, I'm already, you know, losing it. And she's, you know, she's doing the tango in there with him for a second, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, it stops kind of crying a little bit. And, and you know, she's wiping the tears. And then I'm watching her through the window. And, and she walks over and she sits down in the corner. And she has a book. She opens up the book and she begins to read. And I'm like, now, now the baby's not crying anymore. And then the next thing you know, I see her call over some other children. And then she, the little baby that was crying gets down and sits next to her. And now she's got a little, you know, group. And I thought to myself, I- I'm seeing that. But way more importantly, God saw it. He knows everything. And here's the deal. God will reward your faithfulness. Nobody else may see it. But because God is all-knowing, he sees it. And he'll reward you someday for it. So what should our response be to this truth? Our response should be just never, never give up doing good. Never give up. Even though somebody here at the church may not see you, you may share Christ with somebody somewhere, nobody else sees it. You, you, you may stand for some biblical principle somewhere. You may help a poor person. You know, you may treat somebody else the way you'd want to be treated. Nobody else sees it, and that's okay, because God sees it. So don't ever give up doing good. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, but especially those that are a part of the church. We ought to do good to everybody, but you know what? We ought to really make sure we're doing good to one another, those that are a part of the family of faith. It's not easy to to live a God-honoring life out there in the world, in the culture we live in today. It's not easy. And when you come to church, church ought to be a place where, you know what? We're doing good to one another. We care about each other. We're encouraging each other. There's the fellowship of believers that's happening. We're praying for each other. We're laughing with each other. We're encouraging each other through the word, through great music, whatever it might be. Because in a little while, you walk out these doors and you're heading into a pretty hostile place. And all of us in this room have seen just how hostile the United States of America, one nation under God, is getting. And this ought to be a place where we do encourage each other. So here's the deal. Why don't you all stand? Over in the venue, let's stand. And I want us to say these these six things out out loud uh, together, okay? 
And we'll, we'll say that little phrase up at the top there. Here we go. Number one, God knows all my thoughts and he still loves me. God knows all about my sin and he still loves me. God knows all about my troubles and he cares deeply about them. God knows all about my future and he invites me to ask for his advice. God knows all about my needs and he wants <clears throat> him. Number, uh, number six, God knows all about my faithfulness and he'll reward me for it someday. Father, thanks, Lord, for a chance to be here and just worship you, God, and sing to you and about you and to bring our gifts to you and hear your word proclaimed, God. God, help us to be a group of people who don't just say we love Jesus, but we, we, we can talk about who's on first and who's on second, who's on third. We can talk intelligently about our God. And we know, God, that you're good and great. We also know that you're all-knowing. And somehow may this bring us great encouragement. I pray for prime time as they meet and get to hear more of this great duo, Lord. What a, what a great couple. Lord, I pray these things in your name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you.